center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment. Worshiping with us for another Sunday. I want to be transparent with you and let you know that we pre record these services. And sometimes, between the time we record them on Friday and the time they stream on Sunday, life happens. And little did I know that this Friday, while I was preaching from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, 
and I was talking about the killing of George Floyd and I mentioned the riots happening in Minnesota, I was not aware that there are riots happening right here in the city of Atlanta. So brothers and sisters, I implore you and ask you, please do not protest in the violent protests, I mean. Please do not participate in the riots and the looting. Please do not get involved in all of this that is taking away from our city and taking away from the very fabric of the American culture. Brothers and sisters, we have to be integral as Christians living and working in the body of Christ. I preached from Ephesians chapter 6 and I was talking about the full armor of the Lord. And as you're about to hear in the message coming to you momentarily, that we must be fully clad in the full armor of the Lord to protect us from the works of the enemy and also to use as ammunition against obstacles such as the ones we're facing today. Brothers and sisters, yes, we're grieving. Yes, we're upset. Yes, we've been upset and we've been chastised. We've been persecuted for years and years. However, the way we show our frustration is not by looting and not by rioting, but by praying and standing on the word of God and believing that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can convict the minds and convict the hearts of racists, of white supremacists, of police brutality, and anything that tries to take us apart as people and as American society. So brothers and sisters, I pray that this message speaks to your heart, speaks to your soul, and convicts you in a way that will help challenge your actions and challenge your emotions during these very difficult times. May Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, talking about putting on the full armor of the Lord, bless your spirit and bless your heart and bless you during these trying times. God bless you. New Morning Life family, it's good to be with you for another Sunday morning. Now it's a lot to be frustrated about. It's a lot to feel in the life of black America. But nonetheless, I want us to say it and I want you to feel it with your heart and mind when we say it uh, this time. There's something we always say here at New Morning Light Baptist Church. That the joy we have, the world didn't give it to us and the world can't take it away. That we must be thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Brothers and sisters, that means that we can still find something to be thankful for. That means we can still be encouraged because we know that God is still moving despite what it looks like in the world. God is still moving despite what the media is showing us on TV. God is still moving despite how white supremacy is running rampant in America. God is still moving despite the lives that are being sacrificed from us to move from one area of thought to a new area of thought. Life it's precious. Yes, it is. And people are dying continually week after week. Sometimes it seems month after month we're getting new updates on police brutality or somebody being treated some type of way. You would think that we were at an end of this road every time it happens. But nonetheless, the joy we have, the world can't give it to us and the world can't take it away. Brothers and sisters, God is still working and God is still moving through the earth. And as long as Christ is king, as long as we know who is all-powerful, we have something to be encouraged by, we have something we can still uplift, and we have something we can still hold on to in this chaotic times. Yes, we're fighting a virus, 
And yes, we're fighting white supremacy and racism, but we also have something and someone we can fight with. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I'm coming to you from a specific passage of scripture this morning that I think will help us in the midst of all that we have going on. I'm coming to you because last Sunday, uh, we dealt with purity. We talked about the fruits of the spirit. We talked about the works of the flesh. And we talked about how it says in James that if you draw near to God, God will draw near to us. And it said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And we had the ritual. I hope you all did the ritual, and I hope you all were uh, blessed by it. Remember, I said, take the soap. Use the soap as God's love. Take that water and uh, let your uh, mind think about the Holy Spirit uh, being um, embodied in the water and then your hands. Once you get the soap, once you get the water and it pours over your hands and you wash your hands, remember that it's not only washing dirt and grime away and germs and bacteria away, it's also washing away the sin that uh, manifests and clutters our life. So brothers and sisters, remember we took all of that as a ritual of purity so that daily, throughout the day, we can draw near to God and we cannot let anything that happens in this world, anything in our actions, anything that tries to take away from us in this world, distract from us through our ritualistic aspect of purity. Remember the last thing we said was a towel of grace that we use to, that will cover over all our hands and the multitude of sin. We said that towel of grace is symbolic of the grace uh, that God gives us on a day-to-day -day basis. So I hope that ritual bless you. But nonetheless, brothers and sisters, I'm coming out of Ephesians 6, verse 13. And I'm calling this one Armor Up. Because if you know anything about Ephesians 6, 13, that's talking about putting on the full armor of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, turn with me to Ephesians 6, 13. If we ever needed armor before, we need it right now. So listen intently, and I hope you receive it in your hearts, mind, soul, and spirit. Brothers and sisters, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. After you have done everything, stand. Let me read that one more time. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of the Lord. Not some of the armor, not a piece of the armor. It says, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. That's Ephesians 6, 13. Pray with me. Lord, we are in a place right now in the, in the world where we're fighting evil. And we're fighting evil in the high places, in the low places all around us. And Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to guide us right now. We need your Holy Spirit to give us the fruits of the Spirit so that we can think clearly during this time. And not think through the aspect of, of hatred. Not think through the lens of, of jealousy, not think through the lens of anger, but think through the fruits of the spirit so we can think with clarity and come up with a decisive decision or plan of action so that we can move forward and see a change in our world. Father God, I pray that anyone that is coming to this video that is watching, that they will receive something from it, that their hearts and minds be clear as I preach the word so that they can receive everything they need to in their spirit. And Lord, I pray that as I'm preaching about the armor of the Lord, that everyone under the sound of my voice will learn 
and see manifest in their spiritual life how to use this armor, how to use every aspect of the Holy Spirit that covers us with this armor to go out into the world and be protected and fight on your behalf. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm coming from Ephesians and I'm preaching about the armor of the Lord, the armor of the Lord. This Sunday we are focusing on protecting our spirit through putting on the full armor of God. Now before I get into that, I want us to think about a few things. Think about how the military has weapons of mass destruction to protect our country. How our homes, we, in our homes, we have alarm systems which protect our household and protect our belongings. Um, when you have a computer, you get virus protection to protect your computer. We have laws in place to protect our rights and we use medicine and vaccinations to protect our health. But brothers and sisters, what do we have to protect our spirit? What do you think of that you have to protect your spirit? You can say, well, I go to church. But you see, just going to church doesn't protect your spirit. You see, you can come to church and you can come down to the altar and in some cases, you can leave the altar with more negative spirits where people have let negative spirits go from their lives and they can jump on you and get in your life. And if you think just going to church is going to protect your spirit, in some cases, you can pick up more spirits. You might say, well, I have a Bible. Well, if you only read your Bible on Sunday when I'm preaching to you and you don't read it Monday through Saturday, you're not going to know what scriptures to come from. You're not going to know the true power that this Bible has that you need to call on when it comes to fighting the enemy. Brothers and sisters, if you say, well, I know God. Well, knowing God is good, but Satan knows God. Demons know God. And if you just know God and you're not in relationship with God, you truly won't know how to call on God and see how God can work in your life. So brothers and sisters, what can we use or what can we do to protect our spirit? You see, Ephesians 6 tells us to armor up. It tells us by putting on the full armor of God, we can be protected. It tells us by putting on the full armor of God, we have something to fight back with. Let me tell you what armor is. You see, armor is protective gear designed for an altercation or designed for battle. Let me tell you again, I'm defining armor as protective gear to protect us from uh, opposition, to protect us from any evil spirits, to protect us altogether. Armor is a gear designed for battle. Now, armor was made to protect the vital organs. It was designed to deflect harmful objects, harmful objects seen and unseen. But you see here in the text, Paul, who is the writer of Ephesians, is telling us it is mandatory to put on the full armor of God to stand firm against the evil one, to stand firm against evil. Paul is telling us we have to armor up. That means that it, it, I, what I need you to do since I'm in this um, empty church, I need you to type in the comment box, armor up, or hit that like button, or, or just say out loud, armor up, because Paul is telling us in order to fight against evil, you have to come to battle with the right equipment. Brothers and sisters, Paul is basically making us aware that 
In order to truly engage the enemy and fight back the enemy, we can't come empty-handed. We need to come fully protected from head to toe and fully come with the ammunition, ammunition that is the Holy Spirit in order to fight the enemy. We have to be clad with the full armor of the Lord. So we must armor up. That's not some of the armor. That's not part of the armor. That's the full armor of the Lord. Just to give you some background story, Paul is writing in the book of Ephesians to the Ephesians. He's writing a letter and he's writing the, to the Ephesians that are in Ephesus. For those of you all that don't know, Ephesus is a Roman province. Uh, Ephesus, Ephesus today would be known as modern Turkey. And what they would do in Rome is they would conquer different territories and they would make these territories wherever they conquered a part of their community or a part of their empire. So Ephesus isn't technically in Rome, but it is a Roman province. And what Paul has done is created a congregation in Ephesus and he is writing to that congregation. Paul is in jail, but in spite of him being in jail, in spite of him, his condition, he's still writing to the Ephesians in Ephesus. You'll notice in the New Testament, there's different titles of different books and most of the New Testament is written by Paul and the different titles of the different books are the names of the congregations and places in which Paul is writing to. So when we look at Galatians, he's writing to the Galatian church or the congregation in Galatia. When we look at Corinthians, he's writing to the church in Corinth. So here in Ephesus, he's writing to the Ephesians. That's why the book is called Ephesians. That gives you a little background on how Paul writes. So whenever we see the title of a book in the New Testament, not all of the books in the New Testament, but most of the books in the New Testament written by Paul are written to a specific congregation, and the name of it is the place in which that congregation is. Amen. So what I want you all to see when Paul is writing to the Ephesians in Ephesus is that he's writing to a congregation. Now, let me tell you about Ephesus. Ephesus is the capital city of worship for the Roman Empire. So this is the place that the Romans have their gods. This is the place where they have their temples and their statues erected to Zeus and Athena and, and, and Nike and, and, and all of these uh, different gods, uh, Artemis, all of these different gods. They, the people travel from all over to worship here in Ephesus. Not only that, Ephesus is a port town, meaning it's a place of trade. It's a place where ships come in back and forth from all over the world. So that means it's a diverse area. So not only do you have idol worship and the Romans worshiping their gods there, you have people worshiping all sorts of gods that have come from all different places. And the reason why I'm telling you that this is that in spite of the diversity of culture, in spite of the fact that there's idol worship going on, in spite of the fact that there's people from all over the world here, Paul is telling us in Ephesians that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, who's worshiping who, who's doing what with who, and what's going on in these different cultures. Paul is saying the one thing that unites us as believers in Jesus Christ is the oneness of the Holy Spirit. That's the main focus with Paul in the book of Ephesians, that the oneness of the Holy Spirit surpasses all that's going on outside of this church. And he's telling us to be united. He's telling the Ephesians to be united under the oneness of the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to let them know, despite what's going on on the outside, 
you can still remain focused on God on the inside of this church. He's saying, don't be distracted by the idol worship. Don't be distracted by the many different cultures. Don't let that divide you as a church. Paul is saying that we can be united under the Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters, that reminds me of America. Because in America, there's diversity of cultures. We are a diverse, nat uh, a diverse nation, and we have people here of different beliefs that worship in different ways, that worship different gods. In America, we may not necessarily have the same idol worship that they have in Rome. However, we still glorify materialistic things. Some people make that their god. We still glorify self-indulgence. Our culture is still hypersexual and hedonistic, meaning that so much of our culture is about feeling good, looking good, making sure we're all about ourselves and having the best and top new thing. And realistically, most of our culture isn't focused on the spiritual nature of things or focused on the religious nature of things, but focused on how we can have a good time and feel good. And just like in the Roman Empire, just like in Ephesus, what Paul is reminding us today that in spite of all that's going on, who's worshiping what, who's trying to feel good doing what, who's fighting and having all of this going on, all of that means nothing because we can focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have a lot going on impacting our pan with this pandemic, impacting our health. We have a lot going on with white supremacy impacting our lives, impacting our laws, and impacting our safety. But what Paul is telling the Ephesians is relevant to us today. Paul is telling us the best way to fight, the best way to stay unified is to armor up by putting on the full armor of God. You see, Paul is letting us know it doesn't matter what's going on around us because we serve a God that is more powerful than any weapons of mass destruction. We serve a God that gives us better discernment than any alarm system. We serve a God that protects us better than any virus protection. We serve a God that is more just than any laws to protect our rights. We serve a God that is better than any healer or any medicine or any vaccination to restore our health. Paul is letting us know that God will provide all of our needs. So he's reminding us that we must armor up and we must put on the full armor of the Lord. Ah, but I know what you're wondering. Well, Charles, you've been talking about this armor, Charles, you've been, you've been making a big deal about this armor, but what is the armor of the Lord? Well, Deacon Wallace, I know you're watching and I'm glad you asked. Uh, if we go to verse 14 through 17, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, brothers and sisters, that lets us know that there are six pieces to our armor. That's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of of the spirit. We need all six pieces to be complete so that we can put on the full armor 
of the Lord. I know sometimes we get lazy when it comes to putting on armor. Sometimes we get lazy and don't want to put all of it on. But brothers and sisters, it's imperative that in order to fight evil, there's no weakness in our armor. There's no weakness in anything that we're doing because the evil will get in and get under that armor and it'll fester and it'll take our life away. Let me tell you how I know we get lazy with doing what we need to do to protect ourselves. I've seen a lot of this going on when it comes to wearing the mask. You all know what I'm about to do and what I'm about to say. People put the mask on. We have a whole pandemic going on. People are dying. It said over 100,000 people have died in America alone. And people will still come out the house. I know some of you all do this and still wear the mask like this. Under your chin. Walk around with it this way. You'll see people on their job wearing the mask like this. Under the nose. I know you've seen them. I've even seen some people wearing it like this. Walking around with it this way. Just masks just swinging in the wind. Going all kind of different ways. And then, brothers and sisters, the, the main part of this is the mask can't protect you if the mask isn't fully on. So, brothers and sisters, when it comes to putting on the full armor of the Lord, you can't half do it. You can't half put the mask on. You can't have put the helmet of truth on. You can't, I mean, you can't have put uh, the helmet of salvation on. You can't have pick up the sword of the spirit. You can't have pick up the belt of truth and, and, and half buckle it around your waist. You have to put on the full armor of the Lord to protect you. Because what will happen is if you don't put on the full armor or if you put on the armor the wrong way, like I said, the armor, the, the, the enemy will attack and it'll get under the armor. The enemy will attack and it'll sleep in the crevices of the armor. And then what was meant to keep things that were harmful on the outside has now gotten on the inside. And the very shield that you have to protect you from what was on the outside is now protecting what's harmful on the inside with you. So now, if you have negative spirits, if you have things that are around you, that are people around you that whose spirit is trying to, 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 to take over the positivity in which you have, you let them into your inner circle because your spirit of discernment wasn't strong enough. Now you have people in your life that you think are friends. But because your spirit of discernment wasn't strong enough, these people have leached on and attached to your life for years at a time. And it takes you years to realize that they've always been backsliding. They've always been trifling. They've always been backstabbing you. And if you had had your full armor on, if you had had your, your spirit of, if you had had your belt of truth on and your spirit with the truth of the sword on, you would know up front and firsthand that they are the ones that are trying to hurt you. Brothers and sisters, it's imperative that we have the full armor of the Lord so that we're not taken advantage of. It's imperative that we have the full armor of the Lord so that we can know when the enemy is trying to hurt us or know when the end is trying to take advantage of us. It's imperative that we suit up and armor up with the full armor that is the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need 1 Samuel 17 to help you. My Bible scholars, they know what happens in 1 Samuel 17. In 1 Samuel 17, this is the fight between David and Goliath. And then you know with that fight with David and Goliath, David at this point isn't king. 
David is just a little shepherd boy. However, he's going to fight a formidable foe, which is Goliath. Goliath is this nine foot tall giant. Yes, he's taller than Yao Ming. Yes, he's taller than LeBron, Wade, Le Le LeBron James. Yes, he's taller than Dwayne Wade. Yes, he's taller than any basketball player, Shaquille O'Neal, you can think of. This Goliath is a monster. And brothers and sisters, in 1 Samuel 17, what we see David do is he uses unofficially the armor of the Lord. Let me tell you what happened. So Goliath is a Philistine. And he's a Philistine, and the Philistine army is about to fight the army of Israel. So they've lined up, and they're ready to fight. And Goliath comes out, and he's big, bad, and bold because he's been winning fights for a long time. And he comes out, and he mocks God. He talks about uh, the Israelite army. And he says, you know what? I'm not even going to waste time, but we're not even going to waste time using all our soldiers to fight you. How about you send your best man to come and fight me, and we'll settle it all that way. And brothers and sisters, the army of Israel, the army of the Lord is afraid because Goliath is big. His comrades is, are big. Everyone around them is big. And the army of Israel feels strong and it feels small. And they're looking at Goliath and they're looking at Goliath and feeling defeated before the battle has even started. Nonetheless, David comes. David is sent by his father, Jesse, to help feed his brothers. And while he's feeding his brothers, bringing them food on the battle lines, he hears Goliath taunting his God. He hears Goliath taunting the army of Israel. And he asks, he said, who is this Philistine that defies the army of the Lord? They tell David to be quiet because he doesn't know who Goliath is. Nonetheless, Saul comes and talks to David. And Saul tells David, he says, David, I know you're excited. I know you want to fight against this Goliath. But you see, Goliath has been fighting long before you were born. Goliath is bigger than you. Goliath is a warrior. I don't think this fight is for you. You're just a little shepherd boy. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you how David spoke truth to power the same way you have to speak truth to power, the same way you have to speak truth to power to the giants and obstacles in your life. Let me tell you what David said. David said to King Saul, he said, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So King David, so King Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. But he doesn't just tell him to go, watch this. He tells him to go and fight Goliath and he tries to give David his armor. Here we go. He gives David his armor by giving him his chainmail, by giving him his breastplate, by giving him his sword, his helmet, and all the items of armor that he would have fought with. So David puts it on, and as he puts it on, he realizes it doesn't fit him. And, 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 and he winds up taking it off because he, he says, I, I, I can't fight with this on. It's, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't, it doesn't fit me. It's too, it's too heavy. So he takes off Saul's armor. And even though he takes off this physical armor, which is Saul's armor, what the text doesn't fully bring out and what I'm going to bring out to you all here, this is my theological conviction, is that David already had on the armor of the Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, there's a little caveat there that I want you to pay attention to when you try to put on somebody else's armor. That armor that somebody else, is, somebody else wore fits them for their battles. However, the armor of the Lord is tailor-fitted just 
for you. The armor of the Lord is tailor fitted just for you because only God knows and only you know the types of battles that you will have to face in your life. Only God knows the type of things that are going to come your way. And if you have somebody else's armor on, their armor is only designed to help them. But you need a specific armor that's designed to help you. And brothers and sisters, the armor of the Lord was tailor fitted to fit David. So David goes out in battle to fight Goliath. And when he goes and fights Goliath, not only does he fight him, he doesn't fight him with the sword. He takes five stones in a slingshot and throws them and knocks Goliath dead. And brothers and sisters, the reason why that's symbolic is because it shows us that giants do fall. It shows us that not only do they fall, but they are defeated when we have on the true and full armor of the Lord. The true and full armor of the Lord impacts our mindset. It impacts our heart. It impacts our physical ability to be able to speak truth to power and call those things that aren't as though they are. And brothers and sisters, although he had haters telling him that he would never defeat Goliath, although he had haters trying to bring up to him, oh, you just a shepherd boy. You don't even have the background, military background to help you fight a military hero such as Goliath. He still put on the full armor of the Lord and went to fight because he knew it wasn't him fighting, but he knew it was God fighting his battles. Brothers and sisters, we have to put on the full armor of the Lord because it allows us to not fight battles, battles ourselves, but it convicts us and lets anybody know, any enemy or any spirit know that it's not us fighting, it's the Lord that's fighting for us. Brothers and sisters, when he had on the belt of truth, he was able to speak truth to power. When David had on the breastplate of righteousness, his heart was right and in the right place. When he had on the shoes of peace, he was able to walk into a chaotic battlefield where there was fear where there was doubt, when there was all kind of things running rampant and chaotic, he was able to walk into that situation and stand strong on the spirit of God and fight and defeat the Philistine. Brothers and sisters, he didn't let what anybody said sway him. He didn't let anybody's doubt stop him. He had on the full armor of the Lord. And we have to be just like David. Brothers and sisters, we don't need physical armor, but spiritual armor to protect our spirit from the attacks of the enemy. This is spiritual armor. This spiritual armor will help you fight against depression, will help you fight against suicide, will help you fight against loneliness, will help you fight against negativity, will help you fight against insecurity. This is spiritual armor that will help you fight against people that said you would never be anything, never amount to anything, that said you would never go anywhere. This is spiritual armor. People that left you, left you for dead, left you, thought that you would never amount to anything without them. This is spiritual armor armor that allows you to stand up with truth, allows you to stand up with the shield of faith and deflect their doubts, deflect what the haters have to say, deflect what the haters are trying to do. It allows you to be able to persevere and get through any hardship that you're dealing with. That's why we have to armor up. That's why we have to fight with the full armor of the Lord, not some of the armor, not a piece of the armor but the full armor of the Lord. Take some time and type that into the comment box. The full armor of the Lord. When we don't fight with the full armor of the Lord, we leave our vital organs, our vital spiritual organs, susceptible to destruction. 
So we have to put on the full armor of the Lord. Uh, but somebody might ask, well, what are we fighting against? What is this enemy that we're fighting? Let me tell you who the enemy is. The enemy is any opposition that gets in the way of our purpose or degrades our identity. Once again, the enemy is any opposition that gets in the way of our purpose or degrades our, our identity. Let's go to Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against the enemies of flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the high places. Let me read that one more time in case you're confused about the enemy. It says, For our struggle is not against the enemy of blood and flesh but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present dark age, against the spiritual forces of evil in the high places. You see, our enemy is the evil forces in the world. Brothers and sisters, I would like to relate this to a virus. Evil is very similar to a virus. You see, viruses spread just like evil can spread. Virus, a virus is no respecter of persons. It, it, it can contaminate whatever it touches. As you can see, a virus, it can shut down businesses. It can shut down countries. It can disrupt your daily routine, just like evil can shut down the structure of a business. Evil can run rapid and cause corruption to be throughout the government of a country and shut down a, a, a country's productive, productivity. Evil is just like a virus. It can sometimes start off good or something I should say that starts off with good intentions can be corrupted by evil and make it completely bad. Just like how we as organisms are our cells that are in us or we have good cells, but they can be infected by a virus. And what the virus does, it gets inside of the cell, contaminates the cell to the point of where the cell starts reproducing more of the virus instead of the good cells. And once it reproduces more and more bad cells, then our bodies, which at one time were in good health, then falls under, under bad health. And it can take us out to the point of which we die. Brothers and sisters, evil works just like a virus. It starts off small, then it festers, then it grows, and then it contaminates other aspects and other parts of our life until the point that if we succumb to evil and succumb to sin, the Bible tells us the wages of this is death. And the ironic part about this that brings it all together is that a virus doesn't have a direct cure. You have to get vaccinated for a virus. That means that the vaccination will give your immune system enough strength to then fight the virus off over time. And just like evil, there's no direct cure for evil, but over time through you fighting it, you can always keep it at bay. But as long as you're here on earth, there's going to be evil here. And it won't be until Jesus comes back and truly defeats evil for the last time. And we go on home to be with glory that we won't have to fight evil anymore. But brothers and sisters, while we're here, we have a lot of evil that we have to combat. But you see, I want us to keep in mind that we have a remedy. It's not a cure, but we have a vaccination in the armor of the Lord that will allow us to armor up to the point that we can keep evil at bay. 
You see, right now we are fighting the coronavirus, which is an obvious virus, which is a physical virus that's fighting uh, our immune system. However, we also are fighting a spiritual virus, evil in the high places. The spiritual virus that I'm referring to is white supremacy. The spiritual virus that I'm referring to is ignorance. You see, Paul is telling us to armor up by putting on the full armor of the Lord. And while all this is going on and it's impacting our physical bodies with the virus and our spiritual bodies with white supremacy and the ignorance that's going on and running rampant in our country. The best remedy for all of us, all of this is to fight back with the power of the Holy Spirit that has been entrusted to us through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the most comforting thing that I love to read in the word, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And brothers and sisters, as long as we can keep that in mind, as long as we keep that in the forefront of our mind, that is the juice, that is the current, that is the charge that keeps our armor intact and keeps our armor strong. The fact that God is within us in the Holy Spirit, and it says in the book of Romans, it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also raise your mortal bodies. That means no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it gets in the economy, no matter how bad it gets with this virus, no matter how bad it gets with police brutality, no matter how bad it gets with racism and white supremacy, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's comforting, brothers and sisters. That lets us know that we're never alone, but I want to break this down even more for you. I want us to see how evil is running rampant right now. Look at how we've had to deal with this pandemic. You'll notice with this pandemic, it's taken us out of our jobs. A lot of us aren't able to make money. Well, we have different ways that the government has given us stimulus, given us a stimulus or we're able to file for unemployment, but the traditional ways we would have made money has been apprehended. We're at home and that has caused us to have a lot of psychological stress, being confined and isolated to home. Then from that, when after we were isolated at home for so long, we had another uh, quote unquote attack where when things started opening up, the target group for the, at least in Georgia, the group, the, um, the, 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 the areas that were opening up, the target group were the minorities. You remember that conversation we had when they opened up the hair salons, when they opened up everything that we like to patronize and go to. Then after they told us that, then after they opened those things up, all these reports started coming, about, uh, coming out about how the number one group that was impacted by this were minorities. Let me just be honest with you, was the black community, right? So they open up things that we patronize. We open up, they open up businesses that we use the most. Then they let us know that we're the ones dying the most from it. So if you think it doesn't have an impact on, an impact on you psychologically to constantly hear those statistics over and over again, that, you're, that our race of people is constantly the ones dying, that our race of people are constantly the ones impacted by negative things, that does something to your spirit, you see? And that's the enemy trying to impact your, impact your spirit and impact your countenance. Then on top of that, to add insult to injury, what do we have that happens that goes on during this pandemic? The first thing is Ahmaud Aubrey that we've had going on. Well, we watched a video 
of two white people hunting him down almost like an animal in the street on the back of the truck, him fighting for his life, and then they shoot and kill him. Brothers and sisters, I mean, this is overwhelming. That adds also to our psyche. That adds also to the bringing down of our spirit. Then, not even a month from that, now we're dealing with George Floyd. And we're watching a video where a police officer has his knee on his neck and he's yelling out, he can't breathe. And then you have uh, the mayor, one of the mayors in Mississippi, he makes a comment, if he can speak, he can breathe. And you have people that just don't have a respect for life, don't have a respect, I should say, for black people's, li people's lives or, black or minorities' lives, just saying whatever they want to say and not necessarily respecting and making sure that our lives matter. Brothers and sisters, if you think this doesn't impact you, spiritually it does and what I want us to realize is this is a spiritual attack of the enemy don't get caught up in the faces don't get caught up in the in the aspect oh it's just the police oh it's more than just the police oh it's more than just white supremacy this is an attack of the enemy and the enemy is trying to attack our countenance through our health trying to attack our finances trying to attack us on a psychological level, trying to even attack our identity to the point of where you're looking at what does it mean to be black in America and to be hated so? To the point that you can be hunted down and you have to advocate for somebody to take it seriously enough to put somebody on trial. To the point of where somebody can justify or try to justify apprehending a suspect by putting their knee on his neck. What, what is it about me being black that people have such hatred? Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to get to the point where you start turning into the works of the flesh. Because what is happening and what we're seeing into the media, in the media, is that so many of our brothers and sisters are falling victim to the works of the flesh because they're angry, because they're frustrated. I know in one of the last videos, I, con I, I condemned my brothers and sisters for how they were acting, but I want to get to the source of this in this video we're upset and we're angry and we're acting out of anger. But what we have to remember is that when you react out of anger and you use hatred, you use violence, you go looting and stealing things, destroying things, setting things on fire, that just begets more violence, more hatred, and more animosity. A lot of people have been trying to... to relate what we're dealing with now to the civil rights era, and some people have gone as far as trying to relate it to slavery. And brothers and sisters, that's another work of the enemy because it's not the same as slavery. It's not the same as the civil rights era. era. Now what I will say, it's a shame what we're going through, but it's not the same. Remember that, it's a shame what we're going through, but it's not the same. And the reason why it's not the same is, and the reason why we have to keep in our minds that it's not the same, is that God has brought us from a mighty long way. God has brought us from a point of where we couldn't even ride in the front of the bus if a white person wanted to ride up there. We couldn't even walk into a certain restaurant because it said white only. We couldn't even, even be in the same movie theater with white people and sit on the same row they sat on. We would have to sit in the balcony. And I was told by one of my good friends they would have a sign that told you when you could laugh. And first the white people could laugh at the movie. Then they would have a sign in the balcony for when the black people could laugh. We moved very far past those days. We now have the right to vote, except, ironically, we won't vote. We now have so many rights that we won't take advantage of. So I'm saying this to say, don't overlook what God has brought us from. 
Because realistically, we're only about 50-something years from that time period. And some of those people are still alive today. And God is still working slowly but surely in our lives. And what I want us to be encouraged by is the fact that although it looks bad, God is still working to move us to a next point. But as I close, I want us to keep this in mind. That a lot of people are asking, where's the next Martin Luther King? Where's our next leader? And brothers and sisters, we don't need another Martin Luther King. We need another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because people get caught up on Martin Luther King, the message, but lose sight of where, the, people get caught up on Martin Luther King, the messenger, but lose sight of the message and where the message came from. Martin Luther King was a pastor, meaning he was a man of God, and his leadership skills and his knowledge came from heaven, came from God himself, came from the Holy Spirit, came from the fact that he operated with the full armor of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, for this era, for this time, what we need is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will allow a leader for this time period to rise up and combat the evil and the demons that we're facing right now. We're not going to get another Martin Luther King. We're not going to get another Malcolm X. We're not going to get another W.B. Du Bois or Marcus Garvey. We're going to have leaders that rise up for this era. It's a hymn that I always like to bring up, a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify. It says, to serve this present age, my calling to fulfill, and with it all my powers engaged, I will do my master's will. And brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit will equip leaders to rise up and stand up, but we've gotten so caught up on what they did in the past. And we're trying to fit it into what's happening right now, and it just doesn't fit. And the reason why I'm saying this era is different from the era of the past is they were able to fight direct laws. They were able to fight direct verbiage with the white only this, the white only that. But now we're not fighting those same laws the same way. We don't have those overt, overt signs the way we used to have them. Now we're fighting a mindset. This is a different type of evil, just like a virus that you can't see directly because you could be looking at somebody. You don't know whether they're white supremacist or racist or not. We're fighting a mindset. And to combat and fight a mindset takes a whole different strategy, takes a whole different type of mindset and, and, and tactics in which we have to use. And brothers and sisters, the only way we'll truly be able to combat and fight that is by putting on the full armor of the Lord. What I want us to do and keep in mind at this point in time of our lives and in our history is that instead of venting on Facebook, instead of making all these videos yelling, being upset about, uh, about all the death and dying and white supremacy we're seeing and people are just, just writing anything out there, putting anything out there. I've seen posts where people have been saying, we need to fight back and kill them too. That's the worst thing that we need to start doing, just try to start a race war. Some people say, we need to start the Black Panthers up and walk around with guns, not knowing that's not what the Black Panthers were founded for. That's not what they were even about. But brothers and sisters, what we need to do is sit down, pray to God, be silent, and listen. That's what we first need to do because we're fighting a different enemy. We're fighting a different form of evil and the old forms won't work. The old forms of strategy that we use to combat all of the white supremacy and racism and, and different issues we had back in the 60s and 70s during the civil rights era, all of them aren't exactly the same or work the same way. Now we need to come up with new strategies. 
And while everyone's trying to run around, trying to protest, trying to do all these different things, we need to listen to what God is telling us to do for this generation and this era. The scripture says, if my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their lands. Just meditate on that for a moment. Brothers and sisters, we need our lands healed. We need our sins forgiven. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and convict us to let us know what to do now for this present age. Because just running around protesting obviously isn't getting done. We did that when Trayvon Martin died in 2012. They did that. They rioted and everything in 1991 when Rodney King was beat up. And we're still fighting the same battles from 91. It's 2020, right? And we're still using the same tactics, wondering why we're not getting any new results. That means we need to humble ourselves, brothers and sisters, and pray and seek God so we can truly get an answer for this current generation and current era. Brothers and sisters, I implore you, I beg you to not encourage the looting that's going on, the fighting back through violence, the rioting, the going to fight police at the police station and, and break up, break police windows. In the police. I, I encourage you not to do that and fall victim to that. If anything like that happens in Atlanta, I pray that none of the congregation falls victim to that, doing that, that none of, none, none of anybody in our community does that because that doesn't solve anything. What made the civil rights era so impactful as it was is when they were beaten, when they were hurt, when they were mistreated, they sat through it and they took it and it was recorded. And because it was recorded, it challenged the psyche, it challenged the morality of America to the point where they said, all these people want to do is just have an everyday average life. They just want the rights in which the majority have. But when you fight and you loot and you get involved in so many things that bring destruction, that brings uh, disaster and chaos to a, to a county, to a city, people then begin to point their finger and say, they deserve to get locked up like that. They deserve to get killed like that. They deserve to get beat like that. And I'm not saying we're doing that so we can play nice, but what we're doing is allowing God to fight the battle for us. What we're doing is allowing God to show us what we need to do for this present time. Lord, we, brothers and sisters, we need to seek God on this. Everybody has answers and everybody's talking, but no one's being silent and letting God speak to tell us what we need to do for this current era. So brothers and sisters, at this time, I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Lord, I pray that you truly give us an outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that we can truly understand and truly know how to come to you and seek you during this time. So that you can heal our lands, Lord. So you can heal us as a race of people, Lord. Bring back the black family structure. Bring back black businesses. Bring black, back the black economy, the black dollar, so that it rotates in our community several times before leaving it. Lord, restore us as a race of people, Lord. We're tired of running. We're tired of fighting. We're tired of being killed in the street. Father God, we pray that you would cover us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
So at this time, I pray that anybody that's under the sound of my voice, Lord, that you will give them the fruits of the spirit so that their spirit can be at peace no matter how bad the controversy is around them. That they can be like David and they can stand on truth and they can call those things that aren't as though they are because they know they're speaking truth to power because of the Holy Spirit that gives them the wisdom and the words to be able to call things out. So, Father God, right now, just come into the lives and work miracles in the lives of all those that are under the sound of my voice listening. I pray that you would transform the lives of the people, transform the hearts and minds of the people so that the economy, so that our nation, so that our leaders can be convicted to do the right thing. Lord, we can put an end to this white supremacy. We can put an end to this racism. We can put an end to this racial profiling. If the Holy Spirit convicts the hearts and minds of the people. So Lord, we thank you for what you have done for bringing us thus far. We thank you for what you are doing by making it obvious and prevalent to the world what's going on. And we thank you for what you will do when it comes to healing our lands. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. New Morning Light, God bless you. Thank you for watching. And remember, armor up and put on the full armor of the Lord. Thank you.